One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The golden age of cinema, where movie stars were mysterious, elegant and classy. The images on the silver screen would engage and entertain as cinema grew in sophistication from its infancy into a thriving, bustling business. Hooray for Hollywood as we celebrate classic movies. And here is our own Fact Hunter Neil with 10 facts about classic black and white movies. Thank you very much, Pav. So here we go. The Great Train Robbery in 1903, starring Bronco Billy Anderson, is considered the first black and white movie. Not mouse, never mouse. If anything, right. The last black and white movie to win the Best Picture Oscar before Schindler's List was The Apartment in 1960. The Children of the Night. Silver nitrate stock, on which most silent black and white movies were shot, produced a shimmering, otherworldly quality, seeming to set the screen on fire. I could have been a contender. Unfortunately, because of silver nitrate was rather unstable, it could also set the projector, the booth and the theatre on fire, and that its projection is now illegal in all but a handful of cinemas. He's looking at you, kid. Citizen Kane is often cited as the greatest black and white movie ever, but did you know Wells' caffeine consumption, an odd dietary routine, impacted his health during production? All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. The studio didn't initially want Doctor Strange Love in black and white, but Kubrick convinced them it would give it a film noir look. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Good timing, good timing. <laughs> the black and white movie Ecstasy from 1933, starring Hedy Lamarr, was the first movie to both have a sex scene and feature nudity, although not at the same time. In the golden era of film, it was cheaper to film in black and white. It is now more expensive to film in black and white. Boop, boop, doop. <laughs> Todd Browning's 1932 Freaks movie was banned in the UK for over 30 years. Boop, boop, boop. 
And the most expensive black and white movie ever made was 1925's Ben-Hur. It cost $4 million, which in today's money is about $68 million. And there we are. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Uh, classic black and white movies. Now, before I introduce the uh, the guest who was responsible for this, uh, this uh, subject... That's the caveat is that it's pre-1967. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of our lovely Patreon toppers. Will you welcome Jen? Yay! Yay! Finally! Finally. Now, we, we went through this, didn't we, Jen, when we were sorting out this, uh, that we wanted to do it 1967. And what was the reason for 1967? 1967 was the last year the Oscars awarded two different awards for cinematography, color and black and white. Right. So we were, I, we were putting that as the line yeah. in the sand. I know. I had I had to cut it off somewhere because it's already so many. Oh. Uh, as you will know, I've got loads of honorable mentions to mention a little bit later on. So this podcast could go on for a well over two hours just to talk about everybody's uh, uh ones that they've sent in so yeah 1967 and before so we won't have things like the artist we won't have clerks we won't have schindler's list or any of those kind of movies we've got a lot to get through so jen i mean before we go into that (laughs) you're obviously a fan of classic black and white movies is that your favorite i i just love movies but i do i I think I grew up on the old black and white. So yeah. Yeah. I mean that back in the day when you had to set the VCR and they would be on in the middle of the night and you'd have to figure out how to put that in. So you'd wake up and I'd put like three movies on one tape and they looked terrible, but I didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, VCR kids was uh, these, these, these little blocks with tape that you would have to. Oh yes feed into this machine it was crazy it was a crazy wonderful times though right jen kick us off with your number 10 okay so this i can't say i've watched it over and over because it's kind of a difficult watch but i i did rewatch it recently and i feel a lot of these other movies would not exist without m fritz lang from 1931. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. A long yeah. time. And it is it is still terrifying. It's so un, unsettling. And um I I don't think we'd have crime dramas or true true crime or courtroom scenes. I mean there's so many things that were groundbreaking in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um that I think, yeah, you can see its influence in lots and lots of films. So that was, and I, I did a, I had a film noir class at university and I did a paper on Fritz Lang. And the one thing I remember, I don't, oh, does, does you guys know what it's about? I guess I should say. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I probably should, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, it's about a child murderer. So it's, you know, nice. it's not exactly a laugh riot. It's very, atmospheric and creepy and and Fritz Lang there was a lot of innovative um style things he did there was like a four minute tracking shot which is crazy for 1931 Peter Laurie plays the murderer and M is is um 
for murderer. And uh, so it's, and it's this sto- these stories interweave. So the cops are looking for him and, and like the criminal underworld are both looking for him at the same time. Um, and I, I remember I did a paper on Fritz Lang in college on the movie, um, the big heat. And for some reason, I remember, you know, cause back when we went to the library and had to do our research, uh, Fritz Lang saying in an interview that he would never, he always showed violence. He never showed the violence on screen because he felt that what would be most terrifying to you is different than what's most terrifying to me. Right. So it was always off screen. And this is, Yes. And that's very um, obvious in this. It's just, ugh. Mm. it's yeah, it's scary. It's scary. I've realized on doing my top 10 and also looking at the people's honorable mentions that I class myself as a movie buff, but I haven't seen a load of these movies that a lot of people have mentioned. And I think I need to delve back into like black and white movies without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yes. And that looks like a good one to start with. It look, it, I mean, I've just looked at the trailer as as we were watching it. It doesn't look nice to watch at all. It looks very unsettling. And, and, and the scene at the end when the the it's like a mob. The it's they all confront. They catch Peter Laurie, and he does this monologue. It's just so you almost feel bad for a child murderer. It's like you're just yeah. Like, How do I feel bad for him? He's a monster. <laughs> But it's it's really intense, yeah. Yeah, can you remember much about it, Neil? Have you? It's been a long time. I'll tell you when I watched it. Um, this will be for UK listeners. Is um, Mark Cousins used to do a movie drone on BBC Two? God, this would have been early nineties, probably even in the late eighties. And that's when I watched it last. Oh, so it's right. a long time ago. Okay, but yeah, it was one of those ones that was a must watch. Right know, to see it, it was part of the list that I had given to me so yes i did yeah. watch it but i haven't seen it since okay nice yeah. solid start there about a child murderer great that's let's crack on <laughs> start as we mean to go on uh go on then neil you're number 10 so it's an old classic it's an orson wells film it's the third man um <clears throat> yeah uh, this one is one of those ones that at uh, the first watch i ever gave of this this sort of uh slow brooding mystery of a film um, I didn't appreciate what it is, um, apart from the soundtrack, which is a very much an earworm. Once you hear it, you won't get it out of your way. Um, then I rediscovered it probably about 10 years ago, and then it became a staple that anybody that would ask me uh, a black and white film, an old classic, these is one of the ones that I would always give them to. And I think it's probably Orson Welles. Yeah, I'm going to go out there. Apart from the obvious one of Orson Welles, it's his best performance he ever gave. Not that he's in it that much. I don't know whether either of you have seen it. Barely 10 minutes. Yeah, but he's... You don't forget him when you see him, do you? Let's put it that way. That's my number four. Oh, that's your number four. Okay. Now, is the third man... Is that the ding, 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 ding? That's the one, yeah. (laughs) their music. Right. See, that's another... I mean, look. Weren't that two movies been mentioned and I've not seen either of them. Well, so what, a, what a movie buff I am. I have not <laughs> even seen, I've seen clips of the third man, but I've not yeah. seen it all the way through. Yeah. So, and to, to just show you how terrible I am at this, my number 10 is Psycho, which obviously should be a lot, lot higher than... That's my number two. That's your number two, is it, Neil? See what I mean? <laughs> obviously, it's, it's the I word that we try not to say 
very much here. It's iconic. Mm. It's been um, there's so many bits of it that have been copied. I, I love the Simpsons that is almost shot for shot, yeah. like the shower scene. Um, never understood why was it Gus Van Sant that did it was the, Gus Van Sant. He did a shot, shot for, for shot, shot remake, remake with um, who was it? It was Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Anne Heche. Yeah. Oh, Anne, yeah. Anne Heche's butthole. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's the one. Uh, just, if you're listening, just Google that. Or maybe don't. Maybe don't Google that. Maybe you shouldn't. We yeah. Yeah. Watch the movie, I guess. Yeah. yeah, just watch the movie. Just watch the movie. But yeah, it's um, very Anthony Perkins, Perkins very unsettling. Yeah. And when I watched it, I was surprised at just how graphic... It mm. is because you always think black and white movies are quite then they're not as bad as you know up to date movies in regards to gore and just mm. what you see on the screen. I mean, you're saying about M where it's a lot of it is off the screen, a lot of yeah. that is on the screen and it's, it's mm. very unsettling and very, yeah. very um, it changed modern best. horror, basically. Yeah. I think I think that is the film that can be contributed to changing the way that directors made horror, yeah. filmed horror. That and, and, probably and the soundtrack is, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's. I mean, it's got but one of those one chord of that violin, and you're still. Like, oh. <laughs> you only have to hear that, and you know exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, so it had to be in the top ten, but it's unfortunately it's a fantastic been... movie. It really is. Yeah, and it really does hold up. I watched it recently with the restoration. They showed it on uh, one of the streaming channels, and I watched it again. And after that 4K restoration, that it's there. At, well, I assume it's a 4K. It was just amazing mm. absolutely amazing mm. did you yeah, either of you watch any of the sequels yes i've seen two and three and then i well gave up two was bloody awful wasn't yeah it? three seemed to be more like hinting on comedy it, so i think it was what's the story in three where um think, didn't I he go back honestly... he went he went back to the the motel, motel didn't he, didn't I think. He, yeah. Norman does? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Anthony yeah. Perkins again, but it's when he had that resurgence in like the 80s. Mm. You know, he did that Ken Russell movie and things like that, and then he sort of came back for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, it's very strange. Very strange. Yeah. Um, go on then, Jane, you're number nine, please. Okay. So if I, if I may tell a little anecdote to introduce okay. this, mm-hmm. I used to work, I, well, I'm in Pittsburgh, but I used to work in Hollywood and we were on the universal lot and um, which was super cool. And one of the executives there went and toured the archives, the film archives. And I was very jealous um, because they, they have old props and costumes and they had the original drawings of the psycho house because that's on the universal lot Mm. you can see on the tour and when he came back i said oh my gosh tell me what you saw tell me what you saw and he is not someone you'd want on your trivia team he's like well they had that briefcase what briefcase (laughs) that famous briefcase i I don't know what you're talking. You know, it's that famous movie with that briefcase. It's really famous. Did I, 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 you have to give me more than that. I don't think there's a famous movie without a briefcase. Like, you know, it's that briefcase with the guy who wears glasses. <laughs> Did you figure it out? I lost. So blank. I lost. No. Oh, it hit me. And, the movie he's talking about with the famous briefcase 
is To Kill a Mockingbird with Gregory Peck. Oh, right. Uh, okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> That's in my honourables. Uh, it was in my top ten. Yes. But as yes, I explained so. to Pab, I had to drop it out because it's been such a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. I wasn't going to be fresh in the mind of everything that was in the movie. Yeah. What a film. Oh, uh, in 1961, Gregory Peck won the Oscar. The screenplay won um, Horton Foot. I I think, I mean, the casting is perfection, perfection. And you know, I never tell someone, "Oh, don't read the book; just see the movie." I'll allow it on this one. It's probably one of the best adaptations of a novel that I, I can't think of another one. Mm-hmm. That's my number nine. And what a performance by Gregory Peck. What yeah. a performance, isn't it? wonder yeah. how many people were inspired to become lawyers. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. After it's, that movie. It's one of those, I've said iconic so many times, but iconic performances, isn't it? It's one mm. of those ones you see him dressed as, as Atticus Finch, I think, Finch, wasn't it? Yeah. And you yeah. know exactly what movie that's from. With his briefcase. With his briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> With his briefcase, yeah. Yeah, good one, good one. I know that's in a lot of people's honourable mentions, that one. Yeah, um, it, it really is. It's, um, I mean, you're in the, we're in the realms of these movies are iconic, aren't they? It, you know, yeah. because of the period they're from. It, they're all pretty much iconic, but yeah. And that still holds up today really, really well. Didn't they do a remake of that? Don't Did they do a remake so. of it? Or well, it's on of an- Broadway right now. It's an Aaron Sorkin that's uh, right. Oh, that's right. Because it was in the West End as well. Yeah. Mm. Yes. That's supposed to. They were like bringing in high school kids for free to see it for free. Right. Um, yeah. So it's. I think it's still on stage. Jeff Daniels, I think, originated the Atticus Finch role. Oh right. So, yeah. It's still very relevant. Sadly. Yes. Mm, that's yeah. That, sadly, it is. Yeah. Uh, go on then, Neil. You're number nine. So this movie, uh, a lot of people have said, why didn't you pick the sequel? But it's Frankenstein, James Whale's Frankenstein. Um, I prefer the original over The Bride of Frankenstein, much to everybody's disgust, because it was one of the first Universal monster movies that I ever saw, and I fell in love with it. So much so that when I was on holiday in Scotland last year in Edinburgh, they have a Frankenstein pub. It's dedicated purely to the movie. Um, the monster himself comes down every hour on his big thing and electric goes around. But I just love the story. <laughs> I just love the story of Frankenstein when it's done like it's done in the James Whale movie. You know, you feel for the monster. It's, you know, he's the one you feel for. And yeah. Dr. Frankenstein isn't quite the ass that he is in the book. He's a bit more human, I think, is yeah. the way. And it's just moving, isn't it? I find it, it yeah, very heartbreaking. And like, I don't even think Boris Karloff could barely move his face. No. And there <laughs> were real metal bolts stuck on his neck and everything, weren't it they? Is still just, oh my God. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that yeah. whole scene with the blind man and he, you know, and the girl and all of that when the monster's out is it's just beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. You know, when they're playing together by the side of the water and that, it's just, yeah, it's so sweet. Trouble is, yeah. I can't watch it without thinking of young Frankenstein. That's the trouble. It's, yeah. it's, it's you know, 
I'm just waiting for um, the monster to go, put on the ribs. Yeah. Or Marty Feldman's, hey, yeah, got yeah. the body. Exactly. And it just they would put me off. Wanting to see, just gonna start I mean, revisit if you've never watched it. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the Universal Monster movies. I really am. I, I spent more money than I should have on the Blu-ray collective yeah. box set of them all. And, I just rewatching them and I really, really enjoy them. I don't, you know, yes, they're dated. Of course they are because they didn't have the effects and everything, but they have that innocent charm about them that modern movies never, ever will replicate. Mm. Mm. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, my number nine, Nan, my number nine, nine? <laughs> my number nine is, uh, is a film I only saw for the first time about two months ago. But so I absolutely loved it, and it's the man who shot Liberty Valance. Oh, I'd never, seen, never seen it before, and I'm a massive James Stewart fan. I love James mm. Stewart, and it's a little bit of like one of the older ones because obviously I, I love him in It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, but this is sort of what's this that was 16 years later, and he's a little bit older, and I'd never watched it before. And it's one of those movies, a little bit like a couple of the movies I've got in my top 10 when you watch them you think oh my god that's where that pop culture moment comes from and that's where that saying comes from that like everybody uses all the time that quote um and i think the one in the man who shot liberty valance is at the end where it says something about oh i'm gonna balls it up now but it's something like um when you have the lie or the legend you print the legend or something like that the legend becomes the truth so you print the... <laughs> We're all going to butcher it now. I'll have yes, to... yeah, I know which one you mean. I'll have yeah. to find it. But I was just absolutely enthralled by the whole thing. Uh, it's just a fantastic movie. And John Wayne, I don't think I've ever watched a John Wayne movie properly. So I'm looking, apart from True Grit, but obviously that was very old John Wayne. And watching him sort of in his prime, doing the legendary John Wayne kind of thing, Mm-hmm. It's just, it's weird because it's like you're looking at it and you think, I've seen photographs of it, I've seen True Grit, but seeing John Wayne like that, it was just a fantastic movie. Um, I can't remember, Lee Marvin is the guy that plays like the the brute that comes in and is just an an ass to everybody. He's just a complete knob that's just like... He was, he was really good at those parts. Yeah, but it's just a fantastic movie and I, I, would, I would stress anybody get a chance to watch it just to, to, to give it a watch. And like I say... James Stewart is just fantastic in it. Absolutely fantastic in it. So that's that one that my... I haven't seen. Pat. Have you? My God. No, I've never seen that one. Not that for want of wanting, if you know what I mean. Just not enough time in the day. Unbelievable. I can't believe that has happened because that's never happened before. I've seen yeah. a film that you haven't. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Apart from Sonic the Hedgehog. I think that was the only other one. Yeah, I've never seen that. <laughs> that's uh, not- <laughs> go on then, Jen, you're number eight then, please. Okay, now that's my first visual aid. This is, um, I'm worried that the young kids today are are forgetting about Jimmy Cagney and I love Yankee Doodle Dandy. That's one of my happy films. And I I went through a big James Cagney phase probably in high school and just watch everything. And I like it, it's 1941, it's Michael Curtiz who also, you might've, he, directed um, Casablanca and a bunch of stuff. Um, This movie 
Jimmy Cagney was probably most famous for these gangster movies of the thirties. Like he really, that's what put Warner brothers on the map were these gangster movies. And so that's what he was known for. And there was, you can't take your eyes off him when he, when he shows up on the screen. Um, And this movie, I, I wanted to make sure I got a musical and that's, not as much to choose from in black and white. Mm. <laughs> so um, this was ni- 1942. Jimmy Cagney won the Best Actor Oscar, and it's the story of George M. Cohan, um, which I, I don't know how much he his music has crossed the pond, but um, it, it's a lot of songs that we grew up with that we probably don't realize were all written by George M. Cohan, probably in the early 1900s, like... Um, well, yeah, I'm a Yankee doodle dandy and it's a grand old flag. It's a high flying flag. And the the anthem for World War One was um, over there, over there. Send the word, send the word to beware. Those are all George M. Cohen songs. And uh, and so he tells this story and it's just it's really flag waving over the top patriotic. But it's just Jimmy Kanye. And he was a he was a dancer first. He was a tap dancer before the gangster movies. And he gets to do these fabulous tap dancing numbers. And it's just, it's just a joyful and fun movie. Right. Yeah. I remember, I remember seeing the clips of him singing Yankee Doodle Dance. He definitely had a style all of his own in his dancing. That's a great vocalist. Yeah. <laughs> great vocalist. Yeah, More yeah. like the Rex Harrison speaking <laughs> the songs. That's right. <laughs> cool. Very good. Very good. I, well, yeah, I've never, I've never seen the movie all the way through. I've just, like say, seen the clips. But same as me. I've only ever seen the clips of that one. Another one to add to the list. I hope you've seen Jimmy Cagney movies. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. White Heat is is one, That's isn't it? The That's classic one. The yeah. Classic one. Yeah, yeah. Um, go on, then, Neil. You're number nine. Uh, sorry, you're number eight. So this, I sometimes keep looking at this list and thinking I should shove it up further in the list. It's Twelve Angry Men. Uh, Twelve Angry Men. Oh, that. No. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of this. And uh, again, it's as relevant today, especially with the court hearings we've got going on as we record this. Um, I love the fact that one single opinion can change a whole mindset and this points that out and works that out absolutely fantastically. Now I did sit on stage, but not with anybody of any clout. I didn't sit in the West End. I saw on a touring production, still very, very good, but I find it grips you. you. Every time I watch it, I'm invested into seeing how this one persuasive little argument changes a whole mm wrath of things and i just everybody in it is so good so good i did watch the william freaking remake that was made for tv and it's all right you get the basic premise but you know why have pepsi when you can have cola really isn't it who's in the remake i don't think i've seen the um who is in it scott bio i remember um what's the guy from Quantum Leap, he was in it. Oh, Scott Bakula. Yeah, I'm sure he was in it. Or Dean Stockwell. Um, Now my mind's going black. I think Jack Lemon's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jack Lemon was in it. You got Jack Lemon, George C. Scott, Ozzy Davis, Courtney B. Vance, James Gandolfini, Tony Danza. My gosh. Yeah. Wow. Um, It was Tony Danza, not Scott Bio, wasn't it? Yeah, Bubba yeah. from uh, Forrest Gump. Right. 
that Chachi was in it, but um, <laughs> yeah, Tony Danza is a surprise too. <laughs> it was Tony Danza, yeah. William yeah. Peterson, Edward James Olmos, uh, uh, Mary McDo- McDonald. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a star-studded cast. It was, but it was made for TV, and it. I mean, it was it was okay. It was watchable and it had the same premise of the story, but it just didn't have the impact that the original had. You know. It just, every time, like I say, I watch it, I, I get so invested in seeing how this whole trickle works its way down and changes everything. You know, you go from one person disagreeing for the unanimous vote right through to everybody. I, yeah, I yeah. would recommend, if anybody has never watched that movie, to get their butts into gear and watch it. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because I, I mentioned to my parents that I was doing this today and I... I wouldn't say dad's like a big movie guy. And I said, yeah, I've been having a hard time coming up with this list. And he's like, 12 angry men is 12 angry men on your list. <laughs> <laughs> no, dad, it's not. <laughs> that was the first thing he thought of. So that's funny. Yeah, it was close. It was close to my list. I think I had it in my 10 and then I took it out. Yeah. Um, just, I'm just double checking that it isn't further. No, it isn't further on up in my list. I just want to make sure. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a great one. And also you can feel the tension in the room but mm. because it's a hot and sweaty like room, yeah. room isn't it and everybody is, is slowly simmering and building and building yeah it's a fantastic yeah it fantastic. really is it really is it is Julia Kazan direct I can't remember who directed it wasn't it um Lumet Lumet um Sydney Lumet. it was Sid- Sydney Lumet Lumet yeah okay. yeah, yeah. yeah I just yeah. remember Henry Fonda I mean I should That's remember right. more of the cast but that's all I can picture yeah, Henry Fonda, Lee J. Cobb, Martin Balsam, John Fielder, E.G. Marshall, Jack Klugman, Quincy, uh, <laughs> Jack Warden, Ed Begley. Now, yeah. I'm assuming that's Ed Begley. That's his dad. dad. Yeah, 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 there you go. There you go. I was going to say, obviously his name is Ed Begley Jr., so there must be an Ed Begley. I wouldn't... <laughs> doesn't take much work in eight, does it? An awful of readers said, no, that wasn't <laughs> No, yeah. Just coincidence. No relation. <laughs> you know, yeah, you learn, what a coincidence that would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. If your name's Ed Begley and you're not Ed Begley Jr.'s son, <laughs> dad. I mean. um, right, my number eight is, I'm sure, something that's going to be higher on one of yours list is Dr. Strangelove. Uh, higher on any? Uh, I had to knock it out. Oh, wow. Okay. Not because I wanted to. I'm a huge okay. fan of this movie as well. But I think, would you say that it's Kubrick's most accessible movie? Mm, no, I think Spartacus is, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But yes, it's it's got to be up there. I think Sellers has never been better. Oh, absolutely! In whichever role that you've got, yeah, whichever role to do. And oh, it's so funny, isn't it? So funny. And um, I can't remember the name. Is it Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. What on the uh, bomb? riding riding the bomb <laughs> at the end? Well, of course, that's been parodied how many times now, isn't it? That's so. the thing. That's the thing. There's so many of the movies in my top ten where you've got. So many moments like The Simpsons have picked through and Naked Gun and Airplane mm. and all these play they've just picked hot shots, all these have picked through the movies and taken all the best scenes out of. Um but for me, Doctor Strangelove is my is I think my favourite Kubrick movie. Right. Um just That's for right, the well, just for the fact that it's it's very rare that you see someone like that doing comedy. Yeah. And I mean it's the blackest of comedies, but it's it's funny, but scary at the same time because you know that there are people in rooms that are exactly like that this yeah. very 
moment in history and that's the frightening thing and it's just it's it just shines the light on how the people in power act and how the people in power have just got just one one tiny little flip and that's it it's it's (laughs) curtains for everybody but everybody's performance in that, it's, we'll go back to performing, is so good yeah. as well. All the, you know, it's surrounding themselves. Because it, it couldn't have been easy to film. It couldn't have been. And especially with Kubrick, behind the camera would have made it even more technical and probably impossible. But yeah. And who knew Kubrick could do comedy so well? Exactly. Exactly. I would love to have known what Kubrick and Peter Sellers' relationship was. Well, if you read the daughter's biography, it's not. You know, it doesn't glean too much, but it doesn't come out as if it sounded like it was the best of friends. Right. Yeah, you could sort of imagine. Yeah, both difficult people, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Two Mm. minuses make a positive. Yeah, opposites. That makes any sense. I don't think it does. Okay, Jen, you're number seven, please. Well, I think you mentioned it before and i've had this book since high school but it's a wonderful life uh that's my number three yeah so 1946 frank capra uh, of course the great jimmy stewart um but that that's if that's on i've watched it so many times i could probably do all the dialogue hello sure. movie house <laughs> 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 Hello, old building and loan. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's just the sweetest, most darling thing. And and it wasn't um it wasn't a big success when it came out. Um because right. it it gets pretty dark and people were coming home from the war and did not want to see that. Um I think you, the best years of our lives was the big movie that year that that won a lot of the awards. And if you if you've ever seen that, like what was going on in America at that time, that makes more sense. So this wasn't it was kind of forgotten that the critics liked it, but that was about it. So but now it's you can see it anywhere because the copyright lapsed. That's right. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. So now, like yeah, that's why it's on all the time. Yes. <laughs> so lucky us. <laughs> indeed, yeah. indeed. Now we've we've spoken about this movie at length on our Christmas movies episode with uh, with Ali uh, Ali McKay. Um, it's one of my favourite movies of all time, without a doubt. I'd, I'd put it on whether it's Christmas or not. I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, mm. Neil. Oh, I'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your number seven then, Neil? Uh, so it's another Jimmy Stewart film, and it's Harvey. Not many people have seen this, I know. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically... A a, sorry? Harvey's a puka. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Uh, it's basically a guy who's got an imaginary friend of a six-foot rabbit. Um, as crazy as that sounds, Jimmy Stewart's performance makes you believe in the end. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's funny. It's moving. It has everything you could possibly want out of a sweet, sweet comedy like that. And I love it. And I went to see it on stage and my mind recall, uh, I forget who played the lead role in the West End. And again, 
you 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 started to believe yourself there was this six foot rabbit walking around with him. I mean, it's not a Donnie Darko style rabbit. Let's put that out there for anybody listening. Modern, it's a bit more warm and heartwarming uh, uh, a thing. But I would highly recommend anybody to see it. I mean, that is basically the premise: is a guy that has a friend of a six foot rabbit, imaginary right. or not. You tell me once you watch it. But it's but and everyone around him thinks. Aren't yeah? Aren't they trying to get him to the asylum? The yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. I've oh, never. Seen it. I'll I tell you what. The only it on Blu-ray. Uh, oh, I've got nothing to play it on. I saw oh, the PlayStation. Man. Anyway, um, the only clip I've seen of that is that there's a clip of that on the TV in Field of Dreams that Kevin Costner's daughter is watching with um, okay. Jimmy Stewart. That's the only clip I've seen of that. But I, again, a lot of people mentioned Harvey, so I, I need to find that it's, one out. It's a wonderful, like I said, funny and heartwarming story. It really is. And it's Jimmy Stewart. I mean, we forget what a great, great actor that Absolutely. man really was. We really do. I mean, he isn't mentioned enough as one of the greats, and I think he is. Yeah. He was, um, when I lived in LA, I, I sang in the choir at Beverly Hills Presbyterian Church right on Rodeo Drive, and that had been Jimmy Stewart's church. Um, not when I was there, obviously, but they would tell, so he read the Christmas, the, at the Christmas time, he read the Nativity um, oh. passage. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I just being in the same place, thinking about him there was really wow. cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's they're the sort of stories, aren't they? That's like, I mean, I think people don't realize that, like the classic Hollywood stars. It was it was obviously a different time because they didn't have camera phones shoved in their faces all the time. They could get away with a lot more, you know. But they were also, like I said in the intro, mysterious because the yeah. only time you saw them were on the silver screen or on the at the Oscars when oh, they the started, Oscars it was like the Oscars were much more magical because that was really the only time we saw them yeah, yeah. out in the world <laughs> that's why I remember I remember watching things we've got um or we had a uh, uh, an interviewer called Michael Parkinson on a Saturday night oh, yeah, yeah yeah and you and he would sometimes get say a Jimmy Stewart or a Bob Hope and that was the only time you saw them talking in real life Right, and you and you think, oh my God, you know they are actual human beings. Whereas now everybody is plastered on, you, you know, the mystery. The mystery is just gone. Yeah. Right. You, know, you see everybody's warts and all. You know, yeah, you know, in every courtroom these days now, like yeah. Neil said earlier on. Oh um, okay, so my number seven um, was a film I came to very very late, but it's an all time classic. Is Citizen Kane? So that's my number four. That's your number four. I can remember watching that shot of um, Citizen, of, of uh, when it's like above and he's standing on all the newspapers. Yeah. For years, I thought that was Bob Hope. <laughs> For years, I thought, I didn't realise Bob Hope was in Citizen Kane. That doesn't seem like the right sort of movie for him to be in. Because yeah. if you look at it, he looks like Bob Hope. And it's the only scene he's in. That's yeah. so weird. Why is he standing on a load of newspapers, looking up at the camera, and not making a joke? That's just crazy. And then uh, the first time, and I guarantee, I knew that he wasn't in the movie. But the time, the first time I watched it, I was waiting for there to be like a cameo of Bob Hope. Even then, I knew he wasn't in it. Wow. Um, but it broke down the barriers of how movies were made. 
Absolutely, you know, the setup of the shots, the narrative, it the narrative, yeah. the, the the way that shots were composited and you know bleeding into each other, mm. it's, and the nonlinear storytelling and the different points of view. Yeah, yeah. it was an abs- It's an absolute masterclass, and and the fact he was so young and did everything. I know is just crazy and it's a pretty good story as well i think it's a great story it's a great film i mean it gets you i mean gets you straight away doesn't it it hooks you in it reels you straight in but oh it's just it's wonder and it it doesn't apologize for taking its time which is what i like i really like that it's it's everything is there and the fact that you know the twist i mean hey we should all know now the whole rosebud of it all his thing it shows that the man is human yeah you know he wasn't this monster and mogul tycoon whatever it just yeah it's it's beautiful it's great great movie great movie yeah there are certain movies that are good that they're not i mean the hateful eight for Mm. is one that is and i've said it before unapologetically slow yeah, and it's yeah. great that it builds and builds and builds, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. Some movies feel like three hours long when they're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ones that are bad. It's the ones that are like two hours, two and a half hours, and they just yeah. are slow, but they feel they should be. Mm. Yeah, they, they take their time. It, it it pained me not to put it on the list. Pain me. It was very difficult. Yeah, I feel your pain, Jen. I yeah, do because yeah. there's loads that should be on the list. It should be a top one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go on then, Jane, your number six, please. Okay. I don't know if these are popular in the UK or not, but I went with 1934's The Thin Man because I love William Powell. I realized the last time I moved, I was packing up all my DVDs. I own nine William Powell movies. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And this is based, do you guys know, they made six of these Thin Man movies. Um, I don't think I've seen them. Okay, this 1934, this is, they're based on the Dashiell Hammett books, book, book. But, so this is the only one that's based on the book. Um, And then they just made up, they were so popular, but it's, it's um, William Powell, Myrna Lloyd, Nick and Nora Charles, and their dog Asta, and he is this detective. And there's just their banter, and it, it was like a married couple no one had ever seen. Like they're totally equally matched. They're very funny. You can tell they're crazy about each other, but they tease each other, and the dialogue's really fun. And um, and I always thought the element of so he's this famous private detective. It's one of those worlds where everybody knows who this private detective is. Like when you watch <laughs> Agatha Christie, like everyone knows. Or James Bond. Yeah. Knows. yeah. So um, and and it's so funny because the criminals that he put away always come up to him like, "Hey, Nick, good to see you." Like they they love cooking. You got me that one time. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and and the, the chemistry between the two of them is so incredible. Uh, most people thought they were married in real life. Oh right. Yes, and um, and this this first one was shot in like twelve days. Real, yeah, which is insane. Um, but yeah, I just I love William Powell, and you've never no no movie makes alcoholism look more enchanting and fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Like, uh, the drinking in these movies. 
are crazy, but yes, very funny. <laughs> okay. So that's another my one, another, so what is, it, is it a comedy, is it? Oh my gosh, yes. Right. I mean, it, it's the only Dashiell Hammond because he's, I know, is he Maltese Falcon? Yeah, so he was like the the thrillers and this is probably his most lighthearted book. Right. So, yeah, but no, it's it's only 91 minutes. Track it down. You will enjoy it. I promise. Done. Done and done. Okay, Neil, you're number six then, please. So it's League of Gentlemen. Now, this is a, a British movie, so you may not be aware of it, um, Jen. It's a, basically, it's a, a, heist, a heist, a robbery movie uh, where, they, where they want to rob a bank and they all get together. It features a very early uh, and young Oliver Reed. It's got Richard Attenborough in. It's got Jack Hawkins in the main role. But it's, to me, it's the uh, precedent where they started these sort of showing you how they were going to do it. So a bit Ocean's Eleven, bit sort of that. It's one of those. And I would urge anybody to seek it out because you'll see where it all started. It starts quite slow, but once you get in first through, through the first um, sort of 10, 15 minutes, you're hooked and you're in. You want to see whether they can do it, how they're going to do it, how they're going to get into this bank and rob it. And it shows you step by step exactly what they're going to do. And I would urge you to check it out. I really would. Uh, what year is it? I think it's 1960, but I may be wrong. It is 1960. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great, great movie. Like I said, it's the start of these sort of um, these robbery movies where it shows you what they're going to do and then you sort of work out how they're going to do it and then you see the actual thing at the end. And Do they do it or don't they? I'll leave it to you to find out. It's okay. fantastic. Richard Ambrose as well. Yeah, he's great in it. He really is. No, that's to, I'll track that one down for sure. I've never heard of that one before. Have you not? I've not. No. Oliver Reed plays it. the um, guy from the upstairs dance where they, they meet in these sort of rehearsal rooms and upstairs there's a dance rehearsal room and he comes down. So he plays a very camp dancer, Oliver Reed. Does he? He's not listed yeah. on the... No, it's a very, very... Um, minor role it's one of his first ever roles oh really yeah um nanette newman's in it as well nanette very newman, young yeah 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 very young nanette newman wow but yeah i highly recommend getting it and or finding it seeking it out and watching it it really is worth it it's just a, a 90 minute joyous ride okay yeah, that sounds fun, for sure. Yeah. I feel like a 90-minute joyous ride. I should ding the bell for that one. <laughs> Christ, 90 minutes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, my number six. Uh, another absolute classic. Casablanca. Oh, that's my number five. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, and again, I came to this one really, really late. And I hang my head in shame for that fact because I class myself as a movie buff. And the one thing I think I need, I've got this week off. I think I'm just going to binge black and white movies. I think I just need to. Mm. I, the first time I watched it, I was engrossed, absolutely engrossed, not just in the story. But in Humphrey Bogart's performance, it was, I just watched it like, why have I not watched this like 20 years ago? It's just an amazing, amazing movie. Again, it's got those play it, Sam. Here's looking at you, kid. The whole you and me, nothing like on the hill of beans or whatever it is, which is what Naked Gun Frank Drebin says to his his lover at the end. Right. Like again, you don't realize that. I watched Naked Gun, God, and see, like I watched Naked Gun loads of times. Never watched Casablanca. Casablanca. As soon as I watched yeah. Casablanca, you go, "That's where they took that bit from." It <laughs> almost you, you seems realize... cliche, Casablanca, because you don't. Re- it's like the that was where it came from. But exactly. like watching it, like, well, they're just ripping. No, that was where it all started. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. That's the. Be- I mean, yeah. I can again. I know it wasn't a classic black and white, but watching like The Breakfast Club. And there's so many st- things in there. You think, oh my God, that's where, again, it's like The Simpsons is one of the main ones. They took that bit from that. Right. And it's, 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 it's beautiful that you can look at those things. But like you say, you end up going, oh my God, Casablanca ripped that bit off from Naked Gun, whereas right. obviously right. the other way around. Right. So um, when, when I first watched Casablanca, I found I didn't enjoy it the very first time. I think I was too young. Right. And so I sort of avoided it for years. And then I thought, no, everybody keeps banging on that it's yeah. great. And I was almost the asshole that was saying, it's not as good as you think. Yeah. And then eventually I got to watch it again and suddenly thought, yeah. how wrong am I? Yeah. How wrong no, I, am I? I'm still in that camp, but I, I'll tr- I've tried it a couple of times and I'm it doesn't grab me. Like it used to, I sort of watch it like, okay, I should like this more. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I'll, I'll wait a few years and try it again. Yeah, <laughs> I think I just think that the performance, especially the the bit at the end when Humphrey is it in, Ingrid Bergman, isn't Bergman, it? Bergman, yeah. When he's saying goodbye to her, at the end, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely, it but you know, we'll always have Paris. Oh my God! Oh dear! Get the <laughs> tissues. Get the tissues. So that's my number six. Was that number six? Yes. Yes. So Jen, we need your number five, then, please. Oh gosh, halfway through. Um, I, I, another iconic with a lot of quotes that you probably don't realize came from All About Eve. Oh, Eve. So, written and directed by Joseph Mankiewicz, of course, starring uh, Betty Davis and, and Baxter, Celeste Holm. Um, this, the dialogue is delicious. Like, it's so, I, you watch it like, I wish I could talk like that. I wish I could insult people like that. <laughs> um, fabulous Edith Head did the costumes. Um, it won Best Director, Best Writing, Best Costume, Best Supporting. Oh, George Sanders, who's just Addison DeWitt in this one. Very, very young Marilyn Monroe shows up and has a couple of scenes. Um, and it's just, I mean, watch it again. It makes me. <laughs> all the ladies have these fabulous fur coats on, which I would never get a fur coat. I mean, my God, it's horrifying. But you watch, I'm like, oh, those fur coats look really nice. Wrapped <laughs> <laughs> in them, and all these scenes, they're just fur over their shoulders, and like the Edith headdress has like fur trim on it, and yeah, it's oh my gosh, it's so good, it's so mm. good. Yeah, there was Please. definitely an, an, an elegance with women in sort of like the 40s and the 50s, wasn't there? Yeah, 1950. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I I have seen this, but it was a long time ago. This I is need to... fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. That's it, that's it. And and that was one thing about, um, was it Betty Davis? Betty Davis, yeah. She had that aura about her, but she also looked like someone that just, she wouldn't, take no shit off anybody would she in real yeah. life and in the movies she seemed to be I know. Very and the, the whole point of this story is that she's this aging actress and they just go on how old she is and how old she is and she's 40 <laughs> <laughs> oh god let's move on quick shall we is <laughs> <laughs> the old oh dear uh neil you said for number five casablanca yep uh my number five is sons of the desert laurel and hardy uh anybody that knows me knows i am a massive laurel and hardy fan um i I listen to a lot of american podcasts and they you might be able to answer this jen they tend to talk about people like buster keaton and charlie chaplin and the three stooges and obviously the marx brothers but they always seem to leave laurel and hardy out when they talk Are are they not regarded that highly in the u.s say that i don't i think most we most people know who they are like if you showed pictures i think people could identify but like i i probably couldn't name one of the movies right you know okay. what I mean? like i'm familiar with that well isn't were they both british no no stan laurel stan, stan laurel is british okay yeah, yeah. um yeah i don't i don't know why uh, yeah i mean i know the story there's that story about dick van dyke um, when he was a young actor or whatever, and he came to Hollywood and Stan Laurel was his idol. Yeah. Idol. And 
back then you had phone books yeah and he looked it up and laurel stan was in there and he called yeah and he answered that's right <laughs> he met his idol he just yeah. yeah so that's a pretty that's cool but yeah i don't know them as well as i should yeah yeah I, I yeah i mean sons of the desert the the I think the official fan club is called the Sons of the Desert, and yes. I, I can remember. And each 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 country or each region is named after a specific Laurel and Hardy movie or short. And I was right. a mem- I was a member of the British one for a while, and went to one of their conventions. And the conventions all start exactly like the movie. They all sing the Sons of the Desert song, and some of them have got their little fezzes on. And, right. I, and me and my brother went the first time, and we hadn't hadn't an idea what was going on and we thought what have we let ourselves in for you've got yeah. all grown men with fezzes on and they're all singing it was like a cult it was, <laughs> it was a little bit unsettling to start with but once you got into it and realized that everybody was right. just there because they loved lauren i've been brought up on lauren hardy for yeah. all my life one of the first things i can remember was watching trail of the lonesome pine and and singing along to stuff like that so it had to be in my top 10 and sons of the desert as one of the feature length movies uh, is definitely one of my favourites. Um, it's just weird. I, I think they tend to get forgotten as as yeah. like comedy greats with the people like the Three Stooges and and the Marx Brothers. But for me, they, I mean, I find them funnier than like Chaplin and and Buster Keaton without a shadow of a doubt. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. They start in silence. I can't. I can't remember. Or were they yeah. Always- yeah, okay. they started in silent movies. Yeah, they start. They they started in silent. I mean, like Charlie. Um, uh, the, the story was that Stan Laurel came over on the same boat as Charlie Chaplin. They um, were Fred Carno's mob, weren't they? That's Out right. Together, weren't they? That's so. right, yeah. And then they worked separately and then they were brought together and then they worked separately again and then, then came together as Laurel and Hardy. So the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> okay, uh, so that was my number five. Uh, Jen, you said The Third Man was your number four. Yes, Neil, yes. you said Citizen Kane was your number four. It certainly was. Uh, my number four was one that just sneaked in, 1964, and it's A Hard Day's Night with the Beatles. Oh, okay. uh, I remember watching this for the first time. I didn't realise quite how funny it was and how natural the Beatles were as actors. And there's some hilarious moments with Wilfred Bramble in it. Mm. Uh, the bit that always gets me is when they're running away from the fans and George Harrison falls over. And I'm surprised he never smashed his like wrist to smithereens because he goes absolutely flying. Um, but John Lennon and Paul McCartney show a real good, their timing for the comedy it's, it's is absolutely it? fantastic. And some great, I think this is the best Beatles movie. I think it beats Help and um, Yellow Submarine. Down, and Shadow of the Day. Mm. And In 1964, they were... It was like right at the beginning of their career that they did this movie, then, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah. Two I suppose. Years, I mean, two okay. Years, yeah. They were getting into being movies. super, super oh, yeah, fan. Yeah. Super <laughs> yeah, but it is yeah. just. I mean, it's it basically is a very thinly veiled story just to be able to get them to sing songs on the screen. That's what they need it for. It's like just music videos tapped together with a, a little through line of, I think it's supposed to be Paul McCartney's dad, is it? Or granddad is Wilfred Bramble, yeah, I think. The granddad, isn't it? Um, the granddad. But it is just, it's so funny. It is so good. It is great to see the Beatles um, in their infancy, if you like, before... Every, I mean, then again, you look at it, and it's six years later, and they were done. They were they were finished. So, you know, have you seen so much in a short time? Indeed, indeed. Have you seen the Get Back documentary, Jen? 
no, I, what is it? Seven hours. I'm like, Oh, I mean, obviously I don't want to watch it all at once, but yeah, it's, it's on my list. Yeah. Everyone raves about it. Oh. So yeah, I have to, yeah. I have to get around to it. Yeah. It's, sure. it's quite emotional. I must admit whether you're a big Beatles fan or not to see yeah. them imploding a little bit, but sort of yeah. getting it back. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That was my number four. So Jen, your number three, please. <sighs> okay. I had, I, my roommates and I in school, we used to quote this constantly. I had this movie poster up in my room and it's boop, boop, we do. <laughs> Some like it hot, 1950, Billy Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> this was, I had to have a Billy Wilder movie on here and it was, ugh. It was so hard to pick one, but mm. this one is Jack Lemon's performance is still makes me crack up. He's mm. so good in this. Um, yeah, so it's it's just it's so great. It's so great. Everything about it. So yeah. and so funny. It's another one yeah. again that just stands the test of time. With the oh my gosh! Well. Oh yeah, and we just like I said, my we would just walk around like. Uh, I, yeah, watching it recently, I'm like, wow, I really remember a lot of the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, but that was that was tough picking just one Billy Wilder. I mean, mm. Sunset Boulevard. It was like I almost had to flip a coin between Billy between Sunset Boulevard and something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Neil, your number three, then, please. So I've gone for a Laurel and Hardy film. And yeah. I've gone for Way Out West. That's my number two. Hey. <laughs> Which I think is, for for their standalone motion pictures, you know, they're full length, even though they're only just over an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. It includes, like you said, Trail of the Lonesome Pie. We obviously have an affinity with the uh, dance. Path. That's right, yeah. We we performed the dance live on one of our live podcast shows, uh, Jen. We did. It, it, we 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 rehearsed for months. Well, maybe not months, but it was it was so much fun to do. Well, it felt it? like months. It was harder <laughs> than we thought, wouldn't it? To learn it. It was so good, though. It was, it so, was. Much fun. so much We'll have fun. to bring it. We'll have to dust it off and bring I it. I know. Back Where is it. that? Where Maybe is that? that was the thing. Nobody ever filmed it. That was the thing. Yeah, we were shocked because the other shows people had filmed the opening, and we thought, "Oh, we'll get to see ourselves," and nobody had filmed. Oh, it. bring it back. Yeah, we yeah, it. yeah. We I will. Mean, Trail of the Lone- I thought Trail of the Lonesome Pine was a novel that was not a funny. I don't think it's a funny book, but is there? It's just the song. On, it's you a know, song. The Blue Ridge Mountain. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's just the, the two of them. Two of them in a bar, and Oliver Hardy starts singing it, and then Stan Laurel sings a little bit, and uh, hilarity ensues with yeah. uh, mallets banged on the heads, and yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. a great. And then you got James Finlayson, who is the. Uh, He's the prototype of the doll from Homer Simpson. He's the Isn't guy he? that used to do the, did the original doll. That's where they got the doll from, apparently. Mm. That uh, oh. that's where where that came from. But it's it's fantastic. And the scene where they're, I think it's, it's the deeds to a, a gold mine or something, isn't it? And mm. and Laurel shoves it in his shirt and ends up getting tickled and just starts laughing. It's it goes riotous at the end. It's running does. around it's the bedroom. But that's what it's silly, all about. Yeah. It's fantastic. But it has great little great little moments, you know, where he's constantly with his thumb. 
That's right. With the film and it turns into a lighter. Yeah. A lighter. uh, Going across (laughs) the river. (laughs) That's right. Where it's deep. I have to to do my own little Laura and Hardy fest. I feel I'm very lacking. So I I don't know what stuff's online, but. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there is much. I think you can on YouTube. You can watch a few of them. I think Way at West might be on on YouTube. Well, I'm I still use my library, my local library. Oh right. Yeah, so I can go and search, and they'll send it from the other branches. So I'll just get them. I'll just get a stack. Yeah, dude, if there's... you if you get there, some of their shorts, things like Brats and Helpmates, yeah, um, are some of the funny. I mean, I still absolutely wet myself laughing at some of the things and i've watched them like i say probably four or five when i first started watching laurel and hardy yeah. and it still makes me laugh the one of the most sweetest things my my youngest granddaughter my i started there's a song that's uh in brats that oliver hardy sings to his children to try and get them to go to sleep and um my daughter had started playing it to my granddaughter and so the la- the next time I went and saw her, I gave her a cuddle and I started singing that song to her. And she put her head on my shoulder and went to sleep. Aww. It was one of the sweetest things. I absolutely melted. I've got it. I, I put it on. I, somebody filmed it and sent it to me. That was that was with us. Aww. It doesn't work now. She's got a little bit too old, and she thinks no, that shit doesn't work anymore. The grandkids when you started introducing them to Laura and Hardy, like. Oh. Infants. <laughs> That's yeah, the well, thing. My children were from infants. I can yeah. tell you. you. You've got it. It's just it's because I think it's it's like a cartoon. If they if you can get them through the fact that it's black and white, right? It's like Tom and Jerry. It's you know it's uh, it's like cool. Itchy and Scratchy. Right. It's right, right, two right. people smacking the crap out of each other for comedy <laughs> effect you know right, right. and that's the best thing about it that's why that's what my, my my other grandson loves it when they're fighting he just starts uh-huh. laughing because he finds it so funny okay but, uh yeah it's, it's definitely worth it without a doubt uh, right my number three was uh, it's a wonderful life so we've yeah. already talked about that so jen you're number two then please okay this is um 1946 Rita Hayworth, Glenn Ford, Gilda. You guys know this one? It's been a long time. I don't know. I don't know this one. My my grandmother loves this movie. Yes. Yes. I, and I, I love Rita Hayworth. I just find her and she's never looked more beautiful than she does in this movie. And I just, I remember seeing it, oh God, how long ago? And I just, everything about her, I'm like, I wish I had that hair. And I wish I had that, like everything about her. I'm like, why can't I walk like that? Or why can I, how can I be more like Rita Hayworth? I'm like, there's no way I could be like Rita Hayworth. <laughs> um, and one of the most iconic dresses in history, uh, in cinematic history, this this black dress designed by Jean-Louis. Um, and the plot makes no sense. I remember trying to watch it with my friend. He's like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm like, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, 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 there's something about a tungsten cartel and who knows it's, it's about this love hate relationship between Glenn Ford and Rita Hayworth. And it's so intense. They're, they're hatred for each other, but at the same time, you can tell they just want to tear each other's clothes off. And it's, and it's very film noir, like all the the lighting and and this the shadows and um and 
yeah, it's, I just, I can watch it. I mean, I have watched it over and over and over again. And I, I found her, her life was so messed up. I mean, I think her life was very sad. Um, and, you know, she was married to Orson Welles when she filmed this. Um, and that marriage was uh, toxic to say the least. <laughs> um, and, but she, she grew up, she was a dancer um, as from a very young child. She, her father was a, a dancer and she, he, she was dragged into dancing with him when she was like 11, 12 years old, like to support the family. So um, when she dances, it seems like the only time she's, you can just see that she's happy because she wasn't a great actress. I mean, I'll be the first one to say that, but when she dances, it's, there's joy on her face. Um, and I just, I just love, I just love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a Rita Hayworth movie. It's one of those uh, names that whenever you see anything about classic Hollywood, yes. Rita Hayworth is one of those names that goes with Joan Crawford and right. Betty Davis and people like that. But I don't think I've ever seen, what other movies did she do? Um, well, she was a big star at Columbia Studios. Um, she, gosh, now I'm going to blank on it. She started like Strawberry Blonde was a movie she did with, with um, Jimmy Cagney. She did a movie called Pal Joey with Frank Sinatra and Kim Novak. Again, she played like the old washed up woman. She was like 42 or whatever. She was actually the same age as Frank Sinatra in the movie. Oh, right. The young stud. Um, again, Jean-Louis Gowns that are fabulous she was Salome in a movie. She did Blood and Sand with Tyrone Power. Like she was just cast. Gilda was she was such a sex symbol in this. They they talk about um, I think one of the atomic bombs they dropped in Japan had the they named it, yeah, or the plane or something. Like her name was oh, on. Right, right. And um, I mean, this movie was huge when it was when it came out. And one of her famous quotes was um uh men go to bed with gilda but they wake up with me right well, yeah that's so, threesome, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah i mean but she just she was married like five times and um she in the 60s she started showing very early alzheimer's but there was no that wasn't named back then like no right. one knew Alzheimer's one and they people just thought she had a drinking problem I mean she did but um still so just like the end you know towards the end she just yeah she the dementia was really bad and she died when she was 67 years old from Alzheimer's so so very sad life but just just absolutely stunning absolutely gorgeous a product of the studio system like they they remade her like her hair and everything like that. Like she was totally manufactured. I mean, her name was Margarita Cancino um, was the name she was born with. So uh, yeah, it was back when they just took these women or what, I mean, just like Marilyn Monroe, they just totally made, made them get plastic surgery and change their hair and all that stuff and then package them as movie stars. And that's basically what they did to her. Yeah. Yeah. What a hive of information you are, Jen. This is fantastic. It saves me having to go on IMDb. You see. I know. Well, 
you just I was IMDb before it existed. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that was your number two. Neil, you said Psycho for your number two. Yeah. Uh, and I said Way Out West for my number two. So before we reveal our number ones, Jen, do you want to give us a countdown of your number 10 to number two? Okay. Number 10, M, Fritz Lang. Number nine, To Kill a Mockingbird. Number eight, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Number seven, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, six, The Thin Man. Five, All About Eve. Four, The Third Man. Three, Some Like It Hot. Two, Gilda. Wonderful. Neil, your 10 to 2, please. Absolutely. So number 10, The Third Man. Number nine, Frankenstein. Number eight, 12 Angry Men. Number seven, Harvey. Number six, League of Gentlemen. Number five, Casablanca. Number four, Citizen Kane. Number three, Way Out West. And at number two, Psycho. Lovely. And mine is number 10, Psycho. Number nine, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Eight, Doctor Strangelove. Seven, Citizen Kane. Six, Casablanca. Five, Sons of the Desert. Four, The Hard Day's Night. Three, It's a Wonderful Life. And two, Way Out West. So, Jen, what is your number one classic black and white movie? This is hard because I love this movie so much and it's so precious. I almost don't want people to know about it. Oh, so it is, I Know Where I'm Going, 1945. It's Michael Powell, Emmerich Pressburger, um, and Wendy Hiller and Roger Livesey. And I can't even put into words how much I love this movie. Okay. And it doesn't look like you guys know what I'm talking about. No. I've not seen it. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. It's a new hidden gem. Yes, well, and so you guys know who Michael Powell is, right? Yeah, Powell yeah. and Pressburger, yeah. This, this movie, um, I yeah, it's not, you know, the red shoes everyone knows, and, and I love Michael Powell movies. I have Black Narcissus on DVD. I've got Life and Death of Colonel Blimp on DVD. I've got, um, no, I haven't seen Red Shoes for a while, but yeah, I think, but this this is a black and white movie. They filmed it during wartime. It's about a young woman who uh, is trying to get to an island off the coast of Oban and what happens and what keeps her from getting there. And it's it's a romantic comedy. It was shot on location on the Isle of Mull. Um, and I mean, the black and white photography, it's, oh my gosh, it's just, I mean, that's why... The first time I went to Scotland, I'm like, that I wanted to go to all these places in the movie, but I went with the group and I got outvoted. So we went to Isle of Skye instead, which was nice, but I, I still need to get back to see Mull. And Roger Livesey was, if you watch it now, um, he he was doing a play in London because it was, I think it was still during the war and he couldn't get away. So all the far shots of him it's a body double and all his scenes were in a studio in london while the rest yeah i know and you would never i mean you'd never you'd never guess it unless someone told you that yeah. um and there's a scene with a whirlpool again for the special effects for that time period i i get physically sick like i get seasick watching it it's intense it's intense but yeah it's just there's just a magical quality to it i just yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. 
So that's okay. Have to check that one out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, where's the best place to? I mean, I'm assuming places like um, Turner Classic Movies would be places. Or well, BFI for us, Pav, is very oh, good right. for stuff like that. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, as you see, a lot of these on my list, I already owned. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's, that was how I narrowed the list down. I'm like, well, if I made the point of buying this at some point, it had to have been significant, you know, because I wouldn't say I have a huge, huge collection of DVDs. And I know you got rid of all yours. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I couldn't. I mean, I'm, I'm the only one I know that still has a DVD player, but... Um... Oh, no, I'll join you with that, Jen. I'll oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. I've got oh, a DVD good. player and a Blu-ray player because I've got DVDs I just can't get rid of and you can't get I, on Blu-ray. I still have a couple VHS tapes somewhere that, yeah. I don't have a player, but just in case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, it's another yeah, one to add to the list. Without you, a doubt. I don't know where you'd find the... I mean, like I said, the I still use the library. That... You know, so it's that's where you can track some stuff down. Yeah, yeah. We'll give it a go. Uh, go on, then, Neil. I think I know what this one is, but uh, I think yeah, I think we've alluded to it before. So my number one is "It's a Wonderful Life." Um, what is there to say about it that's not already been said? We've said it in so many of the podcasts, but to me, it's it is the ultimate feel-good film. It takes you to the dark places and brings you back out the other side, feeling yeah. a lot better about yourself and a lot better for George. Um, it's I think it's just a magical film and I hope they never ever remake it I know there's been talk for years that they were going to try and do another version of and leave it alone it's perfect you remember Um, when they colorized it back when they were yes and that was at one stage the only way we could get it in this country um, but yes, the bastardized version, I always call it. It's horrible, <laughs> horrible. Yeah. But yeah, the, everybody's great in it. It's a lovely, lovely film. Um, I showed it to my kids when they were probably no older than 10 or 11, and they fell in love with it as well. So I know that it hits all age groups. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful. It, yeah. Wonderful. There you go. Wonderful. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful film. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's not my number one, though, obviously. it's uh, That was number three for me. Uh, my number one, Jen has mentioned it, I think. Uh, yes, I don't think Neil did. No, but Jen did. Jen's number three, and it is Some Like It Hot. Um, I don't think that anybody that's been in it was better in any other movie. Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis together. Are f- I, don't, I don't understand why they didn't make more movies together. Yeah. As, a, as a as a double act because they right. work so right. well together. Um yeah. Marilyn Marilyn Monroe just looks gorgeous in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that dress that she wears when she goes on the boat with Tony Curtis. Well, Lori Kelly was the designer. I think they won the Oscar for Really? Yeah. I mean, she she almost wears it, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Really. <laughs> doesn't doesn't leave a lot to the imagination yeah. that, that that dress. Um yeah. So here's a here's a question then. If they remade that movie, who would you cast as the Tony Curtis? Because I think that if I'm right in thinking, they were thinking of remaking it back in the 80s and it was going to be Mick Jagger and David Bowie that were going to be. I remember that. Yeah, they did talk. They they? were talking about it. See, now I could see Tom Hanks in the Tony Curtis role. Maybe obviously. He did that show. Sorry? He did did Bosom Buddies in the 80s. Right. Oh yeah, he did. He dressed right. up like a woman with Peter Scolari. I remember that show. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah so, so with George Clooney. What George Clooney is the as the uh, Jack I Lemon think, character? Maybe, yeah. Don't forget he's older. Yeah, but uh, well, I'm, I'm saying they. I mean, Tom Hanks have to be a little bit younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think George Clooney is sort of zany enough. I, I know, think that's what makes it so great because Jack Lemon just goes for it. Yeah. For it. And as great as Tony is, there's still like a stiffness, like a little bit of like, I feel weird dressing up like a woman, like the yeah. whole time mm. where Jack just, oh my gosh. Like when he comes in, when they've been in drag for like five minutes and they walk into the train and they're like, oh, take off your corset and spread out. It's like, oh my dear, I hardly ever wear one. I have the best seamstress. And he just goes off with this thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's so good. When he comes back from the from dancing with I can't remember the name of the the guy that he get he's going to get married George to George O'Brien, uh, Osgood Fielding. Oz, that's right. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> "Oh, we're going to get married. Who's the lucky girl? I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm engaged. Yes. Yeah. Planning a uh, spring wedding. And then Tony Curtis is doing, cool, but I'm not worried because I don't smoke. That's <laughs> <laughs> Tony Kurt is doing his best Cary Grant impersonation oh, as the yes. as the, the like oh the oil God. baron. It's just like, fantastic. And one of the greatest finishing lines to a to a movie ever. Yes. He's like, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. Yes. You know, it's yeah. just it's got everything. Some great it songs. Boop, boop, it's, got, it's got that <laughs> bit on there as well. Yes. Um it's fantastic. It's just a I fantastic. know. And and apparently Marilyn was it was very difficult working with her. She yeah. was going through a lot and to still get that performance and still to wind up with that movie is still just, it's remarkable. Absolutely. Yeah, it certainly is. Completely agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our, um, and so what we, we're an hour and 18 in. So for the next hour and 18 minutes, I'm going to go through our honorable mentions. <laughs> uh, let's, let's just run through these. So uh, Christine Hillary said, it's a wonderful life. Uh, at Jen Lott Howard said, some like it hot, the thin man, Citizen Kane, the music box. No, isn't that the Laurel Hardy one? Music box? Well, it could be. Could be. Uh, Dinner at eight, the Philadelphia story, Harvey, it's oh, a wonderful it life, yeah. holiday, all about Eve, arsenic and old lace, duck soup, holiday in, Mr. Blandings builds his dream house. Yeah. Almost, almost had it. Jen knows that one. Uh, the Bishop's Wife. She said I could go on and on. Listen to all the Cary Grant movies. Right. So she <laughs> says I could go on and on for days. Then she says Rebecca, Casablanca, 42nd Street, Libeled Lady, and like, so yes, many classics. That's William Powell and Myrna Loy. Okay. Uh, at Helen uh, L. O'Hara, uh, who is a, a future guest. Uh, His Girl Friday, The Apartment, Piccadilly, The General, Some Like It Hot, Casablanca, The Lady Eve, off the top of my head. Uh, at Paul Bangson said, that's a great list about Helen's, and said, third man also for me. At Doug underscore W underscore S said, it's a wonderful life. Uh, at J underscore Kid 17, 12 Angry Men, Double Indemnity, Casablanca, Persona, Ro- Rocco and his brothers and Circos. I've never heard of those ones. Okay. Uh, at Bookshelves of BL says Night of the Demon, The Thing from Another World, Abu de Soufflé, It's a Wonderful Life, Citizen Kane, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Some Like It Hot, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Psycho, and Seven Samurai. That's mm. one film I've never seen is Seven Samurai, but I feel it's like I should. Movie. Great is it? Movie. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that where the Magnificent Seven is based? It is, yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay. Uh, at Pisces Boys 69. Nice. Uh, silent Films, Intolerance, The Cheat, Broken Blossoms, Foolish Wives, The Cabinet of to- Dr. Cagliari, The Last Laugh, Faust, Sunrise, Greed, The Wedding March, Scaramouche. Oh, there we go. Jen's got that one. Uh, Mayor Nostrum, Sherlock Jr., The General, The Kid, The Gold Rush, The Circus, City Lights, Modern Times. Then he went into the 30s and I did have to stop him because I thought, oh my God, he's going to go through. And he did say, yes, I'm getting a little bit out of hand. So uh, thank you very much. I, know, I, I, thought I needed to nip him in the bud there because that was really going to go on. But thank you, Pisces Boy 69, uh, for your awesome name, if anything else. Uh, at RoadBud04, Rebecca Notorious, The Heiress, It's a Wonderful Life, Laura, Citizen Kane, Philadelphia Story, All About Eve, The Maltese Falcon, and now Voyager. Oh. At Modern Escapism, 12 Angry Men, It's a Wonderful Life, The Train, Sweet Smell of Success, the Mortal Storm, M. We've got one for M. Uh, the Lodger, a story of the London Fog. Uh, at E. Harris 95 says, I'd, I'd add The Lady Vanishes, The 39 Steps, and A Matter of Life and Death to that fine list. At Shane Grant 2, Harvey, one there for you, Neil. Uh, yeah. Ruggles of Red Gap. Does that sound familiar? Uh, His Girl Friday, The General, Modern Times, It's a Wonderful Life, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Aikiru, Kind Hearts and Coronets. Uh, at Dave Roper 77, Casablanca, His Girl Friday, The Big Sleep, Double Indemnity, and Dr. Strangelove. At Lizzie 3180, agree with many of the above, but additionally for consideration, Marnie, An Affair to Remember, Abbott and Costello, Meet the Mummy, Barefoot in the Park, The Black Swan, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, Desk Set, Pillow Talk to Catch a Thief, and That Touch of Mink. Is that Touch of Mink a, a black and white? That, that's Doris Day and uh, Cary Grant. Those right. those were a lot of lot of color movies, I think. But yeah, there were a couple. Yeah, I I know those. Right, yeah. right. Uh, at Andy uh, and Why Not Pod, in no particular order, High Noon, The Thing from Another World, Night of the Demon, His Girl Friday, The 39 Steps, The Lady Vanishes, Psycho, Night of the Hunter, Bringing Up Baby and Duck Soup. Duck Soup is a Marx Brothers movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Janine Bender, Duck Soup. Kim Mendes, Some Like It Hot. Emma Housden, Laurel and Hardy, Murder Case. Uh, At Badum... Hang on. Badum Da Dum Dum. What a great (laughs) name that is. At Badum Da Dum Dum. The Haunting, uh, Wizard of Oz. Bit of a cheat. I did say that. And she said, Young Frankenstein. And I did say, yes. But the rule, uh, I said, you're not allowed that one. I'm sorry. Uh, at maybe underscore Shirley, brief encounter. The voice over work in this film is sublime. Uh, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. At Stephen J. Alley, uh, or J. Lally, sorry, bringing up baby. Philadelphia story, The Apartment, Sunset Boulevard, Great Expectations, Passport to Pimlico, Maltese Falcon, 400 Blows. Cabinet of Dr. Cagliari, M, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Paths of Glory and It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Dan Harper says, where do I begin? Key Largo, Little Caesar, Citizen Kane, The Shop Around the Corner. I could do this all day. This is my wheelhouse. Carrie Ogilvie said, funny face. At 
Camo Hill, It's a Wonderful Life, Psycho, Casablanca, Random Harvest, Don't Ask Why, Spellbound, A Hard Day's Night, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Bride of Frankenstein, The Hound of the Baskervilles and the 39 Steps, and finally, at Dogs on Vinyl, Wages of Fear, Ice Cold in Alex, Lavender Hill Mob, Passport to Pimlico, Murder My Sweet, Key Largo, Night at the Opera, Some Like It Hot, The Apartment, The Big Sleep, Oh, and The Third Man. Wow. Thank you so much, everyone, for for all of you. Yeah, I know. There's I didn't I don't have a Hitchcock on my list. I I couldn't I couldn't I Rebecca was on there and I took it off. Well, maybe we should just start it all over again, Jen. I think maybe we should just start from the start. (laughs) We'll do it again. You can't have the ten you've already had. We'll off we'll go again. Yeah. Maybe that's another top ten Hitchcock movies is when we'll have to do one. Oh cripes. That would be one. That would be one. Well, Jen, we did it. Thank you so much. Like I say, we've never had that much feedback before for for a subject. So thank you so much for that. Now I know where we need to go. If if Neil can't find the facts, then Jen will find the facts. She's the one. (laughs) I'll be be tapping you up, Jen. Yes, please. (laughs) I get texts random like, who was in such and such movie? And I'm like, I guess I'm quicker than Wikipedia. <laughs> there you go. That's that's no mean feat. No mean feat. Uh, before we do say our goodbyes, Neil, do you want to let everybody know how they can get in touch? Of course, I would love to. So you can find us on all the social media at Top 10 Pods. Do give us a click, give us a like, give us a follow, or whatever you want to do there. Email us at top10pods at hotmail.com with any suggestions you may have or questions. Come and help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash top 10 pods, where there's all sorts of rewards you can get, where you can even be a guest yourself. Self. check out all the links via the link tree you can find the link in the show notes and please do come and subscribe leave us a rating or review wherever you get your goddamn podcast from that's it and don't forget there will be for our pong, uh, for our patreoners a video playlist to go along with this episode where we'll have all the trailers for all of these wonderful movies i'm going to make a list and i'm just going to spend the next few days just watching classic black and white movies um and just opening my eyes and my ears and my heart i envy you because you've got all this joy to come <laughs> well this is it you see so I, I which would you say is the best movie to start with jen what do you reckon is the best one oh, to start God. with I mean, you didn't see M, right? No. Just because it's rough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do that and then get a comedy. Okay. <laughs> Do that. I'll, I'll say you like a Jimmy Stewart movie. Try Harvey. Okay. You, yeah. So I'll, I'll do that as a double feature. I'll do M. Story was on my. Did you? You've seen Philadelphia Story, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I have. I think I have. Yeah, that's t- Tom Hanks, isn't it? That one. <laughs> a little different a little oh is it okay okay yeah. so would that be a, that's a good double feature then m and harvey do you think that's well, a good double start, feature one's light there yeah you go. okay yeah. We'll do, the, do, do the dark stuff first yeah absolutely okay you're okay. gonna be like oh, especially yeah. You know, yeah with your grandkids and stuff it's yeah okay children under threat is never easy <laughs> no no not at all not at all um jen it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you it really is you'll come back and do another one yeah oh my gosh yes yeah awesome so I, I mean i feel like the one that we should do is post 1967 black and white movies or no, maybe we should try maybe we should try and do something maybe completely different for you to i know start i was such a nerd like narrowing it down because i'm like i'm not gonna be able to i think it was the right thing to do though because i think it does give us a whole 
another episode to do yeah. post 67 because yeah. there are so many movies the black and white yeah. movies that we can do and afterwards I, but these influenced everything that came after it pretty exactly much. exactly yeah. exactly but thank you so much and thank you for your support um Ooh. thank you for just being you jen you know <laughs> did that work did that work <laughs> Hey. No, honestly, Jen, thank you so much. It's been loads of fun. It really has. Um, Neil, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you for the facts. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, Jen. It's been a pleasure and a wonder to see you. Oh, Wonderful. Thank you. It was so great. This is so much fun. Thanks, guys. Excellent. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and for watching. And let's go start the countdown. Ten. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.